Amen. Indeed, he is, uh, he is the one that is, is the rock. And so the one that it's, it's worth us giving such an intent um, look at his particular words. And as we said last week, uh, the, the word Jesus said the most, as recorded in the gospel, is the, the word Father. Uh, both teaching us to relate to God as our Father and also modeling for us uh, as He cried out to His Father over and over again. And, and today, the, the second most common word on the lips of Jesus is actually the word human. And now, most often, uh, it's translated man or, or, or men. But it's actually the word anthropos um, in, in Greek. And, and that is the word, it sounds familiar to like anthropology, uh, the study of humans, anthropos. And that's the word that he, that he used second most, the word human. And in a number of different ways that he used it. Um, Luke 18.27, which we have um, on the, the screen here, um, asks uh, that we'll just say this uh, verse together. And the word mortals in the New Revised Standard is translated um, the, from Anthropos to capture that sense of the all of humanity. So let's say Luke 18.27 together. He replied, what is impossible for mortals is possible for God. Now, the situation in which he said this uh, was he had just um, had the rich young ruler come up to him and, and, and ask him, you know, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus eventually said, well, sell everything you got, give it to the poor and come follow me. Uh, to which the rich young ruler walked away dejected. And then Peter, the apostle Peter, one of Jesus' followers said, wait a minute, you know, if that's what it takes, then... Who can be saved? Okay, Johnny, see ya. Um, who can be saved? To which then Jesus responded, What is impossible for mortals is possible for God. What is impossible for human beings is possible for God. And in a sense... Jesus in the rest of the gospel answers the question by saying, only through me can you be saved. Only in me can you be saved. It's in me that the connection is made between mortals and the immortal. It's in me that the connection is made between the, the created and the creator. Because yeah, if you think about it, if this is true, if the reason that we've gathered is true, if there is a God who's the creator of everything, who is even beyond time, then He's going to be really, really, really big. You know, gigantic. And He's going to live in, in, in dimensions and in, in, in arenas that, that we have, don't even have the capacity to understand. There, there's going to be no way for us to know him unless he chooses to let us in on who he is. I mean, in, in a sense, you think of anything that human beings have created. Think about computers and, and the rest. I mean, there's only way a computer works is if we plug it in. The, the only way it works is, is if we give it the input. 
And so it is absolutely necessary. If we're going to be connected to God, if we're going to know God, if we're going to live in God, then God has to choose to let us know how that works. And God's the one who has to make it even possible. And that's why Jesus came. He came to relate to us in ways we can understand, in human ways. He came to reveal to us the truth of God in ways that humans can know it. And He came to rescue us from our own brokenness, our own lostness. He came to rescue us from ourselves and from the very judgment of God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, Thank you again for your written word as it speaks to us of your living word. As it speaks to us of Jesus. Who shows us the way to know you. Who makes that way. Who is that way. And we ask for each one of us today, Lord, that we would so encounter the living Christ again now. That we would grow in you. We would experience and feel that connection. And we would be alive and even more alive in you when we leave and when we ride. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So Jesus relates to humans in ways that humans can understand. I mean, you see it in his teachings. The, the re, part of the reason the word human is there is because almost all the time, and as he tell a story, he'd say, And a man owned two sons. And a woman lost a coin. And a a man would go out to plant seeds in his field. And time and again he would tell a, a story of human, human level. Of a, and a human and what they would do and how that would relate to our own relationship to God. He met human needs as well. Those that were hungry, he fed. Those that were ill, he would heal. He would relate in in human form and fashion. That parable of the sower in Matthew chapter um, 18. uh, He he tells the, the story of a man sowing seeds, planting seeds in his field and planting, scattering seeds in different places. Some of the seed gets eaten by birds, some of the seeds gets choked by weeds, some of it gets overwhelmed by the sun, and some grows and flourishes. And he tells us that he is like that man who is scattering seed, telling us of the ways of God, and releasing to us the responsibility than of receiving that seed and being a fertile ground for that seed to take root and grow. He also lived a human life. I mean, like you and I, I mean, he had brain waves, he had a heart that was beating, he had blood going through his body, and that's really crucial to grasp. Remember this passage in Matthew eleven nineteen. Let's... Uh, Let's say this one um, together. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Now the occasion for this, this is Jesus talking, and that phrase, son of man, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but that's son of human. That's, that, that's uh, the, the phrase that he used most often to talk about himself. But in this case, he's talking to the Pharisees. And he's saying, you know, you, know, you call me a glutton and a drunkard. You call me a friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, Jesus lived a human life. He didn't go hang out in some tree. You know, he didn't go to the mountaintop and just sort of live there and, and, and pray all the time. He lived a human life like we live in order to relate um, to us. Now, granted, he had religious practices. He prayed regularly. He regularly gathered in the synagogue with with other um, believers, modeling for us what's wise to do in our relationship with God and with God's people. But he also lived like we live. Now, there are a few things Jesus didn't do that, that some of us do. Some of us marry. Some of us have children. Jesus didn't do that. But he was part of a family. He did have siblings. He did have parents. He worked. He learned a trade. He worked that trade as a construction worker, carpenter. He went to school. Did his, did his schoolwork. Had friends. Went to parties. Jesus is seen at parties all the time. Talking about parties all the time. We're told that he slept. Even napped. Rejoiced, we're told. He cried at times. Argued. Suffered. And died. God in the flesh. He lived a life like, like we live. I mean, it suffered, but suffered innocently. You know, I think that's really important to recognize that God suffered in the flesh. That, that what we've been through, what, what you've been through, what I've been through, Jesus has been there. Most likely lost his father as a child. Because we hear about him when he's a young child, but never hear about him again. Don't know if he died or what happened to Joseph. Probably did. Many opposed him. I mean, he was doing what he knew to be the right thing. And many opposed him. Threatened him. Bullied him. Physically abused him. In front of crowds. Because he was doing the right thing. You know, he had some worldly success. Every once in a while he would get fame, but it was fleeting. Because he, he didn't make enough money to support himself. He had to have supporters around him. He, he never was able to maintain a permanent residence. Remember when he said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he was betrayed, even by his closest friends. God becoming human. 
Jesus talking about humanity is not just pie in the sky, but is real. That God can relate to our human situation, to your human situation, wherever you are. He relates to us. He reveals to humans the, val- the values of God. Good John eight twenty eight. Let's say this together. So when Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am He and that I do nothing on my own. But I speak these things as the Father instructed me. What He does, what He says, is what God does. I mean, it's what God says. When you see Jesus, you see God. You see God in human form. So He reveals to us the very truth of God. And and, uh, another common way that He uses this term, human, is, is He talks about how God's ways are different from human ways. That He is here to do what the Father has told Him to do and nothing more. And so every word that he says will will speak to us of God's truth, revealing to us what otherwise we would not know, what we could not figure out on our own, what we could not figure out altogether unless God reveals it to us. If we want the, the truth of God, then we go to Jesus. He reveals that truth. Because otherwise, we will be caught in either the lie of conservatism or liberalism. We will be caught. We will fall into one of those human ruts. I invite you um, to look at Mark 7, verse 8, and then Mark 7, 18 through 23, which is on your screen. One, uh, Mark 7, 8. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human... Tradition. And let's uh, jump to the next one. To Anne. And he said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach, and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared, All foods clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. You see what he's getting at in Mark 7 here? There's the conservatives that want to hold to human tradition. And Jesus says, no. We follow God. We don't hold to human tradition. And then there's the the, the liberalism saying, do what your heart says do. Go and do it. And what does Jesus say? No, in your heart there is brokenness and sin. What defiles you? 
And yet, left to our own human devices, that's the, the ruts that we fall in. And Jesus says regularly throughout, He says, recognize this, that the human ways do not match up with God's ways. So be sure to hear me, listen to me, because I'm revealing to you the truth of God. I'm revealing to you God's preferences of obedience. Submission, forgiveness, truth and honesty, prayer and sacrificial love. Jesus reveals God's truth in the midst of human tradition, in the midst of human selfishness. And finally, Jesus rescues humans from sin and death. He wants. To, he he comes in order to rescue us, to to pull us out. Uh, Luke nineteen ten. Again, let's say this together. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Yeah, you know, the, the the greatest heavenly smart missile. Yeah, you know, not a drone, but God in the flesh, in our midst. Seeking and saving us who are broken and lost. Coming for humans. Now, it's here again. You see that, that term, son of man. And, and there's the term that Jesus used the most about himself. And really, what I think it means is, is that he's coming representing us. Uh, the son of humans. He comes representing humans before the Father. He comes to, to represent us and lead us forward. It's also a combination of His divinity and of His humanity, all wrapped in one because of Old Testament references there. But He's come to represent us for the Father. Because throughout the Gospels, Jesus says the Son of Man must come and He must die. He must be arrested Killed so that he might be raised to new life. But this, this Son of Man representing us also comes and rescues us because over and over again he says, but the Son of Man will come again. He will come and as we've been singing this morning, he will come and he will rescue his people. He will make all things right and everyone whole. Jesus comes to relate to us in ways we can grasp and understand, to reveal to us a truth we would not know otherwise, and to rescue us from a brokenness that, from which we cannot rescue ourselves. He came to connect us to our Heavenly Father. He came to, to both show the way and be the way. And that it be a relationship we have today. And I want to close with this, with this question for you. How would you describe your relationship with God today? I appreciate and understand there are a lot of stories of what happened yesterday. I don't want to hear those stories today. How would you describe your relationship with the living God today? How are you relating to Him today? 
How's He revealing Himself to you today? How is He rescuing you today? How is that real for you today? I I want that to be one of the the questions at lunch today. I want that to be the, the question that ruminates through your mind this week. How would you describe your relationship with God today? Openly and, and honestly. If today you're, you're lost in helping to describe that, that's good to realize that and to be honest with yourself. And I invite you at the conclusion of the service to come into the prayer room where there'll be elders who'd love to pray with you. If you're lost in the sense, I don't even know how to relate to them. There's elders that will be in the prayer room would love to talk with you and share with you how they relate to God and how you can relate to God as well. How you can be connected to your Heavenly Father. How you can be forgiven and know that you are His child and that God is indeed your Father. Make that question your question this week. I mean, this is the purpose that Jesus came. The, 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 the words that He said, first and, and second and actually third, a little peek into next week. First is Father, second is human, third is God. You think there's a theme there? You think He's coming to help us relate to God, to make it real for us? Not to focus us in tradition or to let us free in our left to our own devices, but to connect us with our Creator. He came to connect every human being who is willing to follow with God today, tomorrow, and every day. Amen.